0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Medical Alley Association podcast series, Leadership Through a Crisis. Our guest today is Vice President and General Manager of Medtronic Care Management Services, Sherry Dodd. Sherry, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: I'm Sherry Dodd. I'm the General Manager for Medtronic Care Management Services. Most of you know Medtronic uh, the largest medical device company in the world where we very focused on improving the lives of patients through our technology.
0: Well, we're so glad to have you. You know, let's dive right in. I know everyone is dying to hear about Medtronic and COVID-19. When did the gravity of the situation really hit you and your team and what did you do?
1: So certainly Medtronic being a global company, they were watching very closely what was happening in China, but the Medtronic care management services platform is U.S. only, so we weren't necessarily getting uh, information from our direct customers uh, in China about the virus. But certainly around beginning of March is when it really hit us that we are in the business of Medtronic Care Management Services of managing people in their homes, monitoring people in their homes. And with the COVID pandemic rolling through, this was an opportune time for us to really think about the capabilities um, and assets that we have and had put into the market for management of chronic comorbid patients and think about a way that we could really help with the management of patients in their home. And so, uh, we took a cue from um jeff martha the ceo at the time transitioning ceo at the time and he was very clear about how medtronic was going to show up um, during this time the first is we were going to take care of employees the second we were going to take care of patients and our providers and then we were going to make sure that we took care of communities and so with that Focus being on Medtronic employees, our team got together and really very quickly said, look, we could develop content for assessing patient symptoms for our employees and roll out a tool that would allow for that uh, employee engagement and to help that peace of mind for people managing their symptoms at home and also hopefully avoid the crush that was happening on the healthcare system where people were showing up in the emergency room um, with uh, you know, a cough or with a fever uh, that maybe could have been monitored in their home and uh, triaged uh, and escalated for more emergent care as needed. So we spun up um, a tool in like two weeks and uh, worked very closely with our employee relations team, our HR organization, and offered this to all Medtronic employees and their families in both the US and Puerto Rico. And we did it in two weeks. And we were so pleased to be able to launch that, provide peace of mind, not just on the tool and asking the questions, but we also stood up a nurse command center. And so MCMS has nurses already, but we looked for volunteers across Medtronic for other nurses that could come and help support fellow employees, and we were blown away. I think there's over 7, 800 nurses in Medtronic in different type of role, and we had over 150 individuals raise their hand and say, how can I help and be part of your command center? So we took a portion of those. We trained them. We stood up um, that command center and offered the service in English and in Spanish for, again, U.S. employees and their families, regardless of their health plan benefit. I was very, um, very proud of our team and what we did for our fellow employees.
0: That's unbelievable. Has your team ever rolled out anything of that scale that quickly
1: before? Never, never. uh, We haven't. And I think it's been a lesson, and certainly it happened on the ventilator side, and, and we talk now about going at vent speed you know, when people come together and whether you love or, you know, hate um, the image of, you know, those motivational posters, team posters, where you have everybody in a, in a in a boat, canoe, and they're all rowing in the same direction. There was that sense of um, getting everybody rowing in the same direction and moving quickly. And we used both relationships. Um, we used the fact that Medtronic was 100% all in on, on their COVID response. And we were able to move very quickly quickly through um, with our security teams and our data privacy teams and our employee and HR benefit teams and um, our technology teams. And people were so motivated to help. Uh, Again, it was a a prize moment in my in my career, seeing how everybody came together.
0: And so you brought up a huge topic
1: for Medtronic, which is ventilators. How
0: did Medtronic deal with there all of a sudden being a huge demand for them?
1: First of all, it started with education because there are different type of ventilators for different use cases, if you will. And I think Jeff got a number of calls um, at all different levels um, saying, look, we need, you know, the the version that goes into the ICU and we need, you know, 100,000 of them. And so you know, that was going to be an impossible ask. Um, And it likely wasn't that 100,000 were needed, but certainly the demand for ventilators was real. And I think for Medtronic, they just looked and looked directly at the mission and said, you know, what is it that guides us in terms of doing the right things? And so the fact that there was this huge demand Um, There was a decision made, I think, quite quickly that Medtronic needed to ramp up our production. So certainly the team in Galway, Ireland, went into, you know, just... Crazy speed of production and uh, got crews on you know individuals who who went to work and worked you know triple shifts and um, had multiple lines going so that they could do that production, but even with that it wasn 't going to be um, enough and so the idea of making the um, that the the ventilator specs available online uh, waiving ip and just putting it out there on the market was certainly um again and i wasn't involved in those decisions but as a medtronic employee i was incredibly proud um, that medtronic did the right thing for for patients and did it in a way that was um not first thinking around revenue um, and profitability and all of those things it was truly thinking about um, helping and supporting patients, and so they offered it up and worked very closely. people have heard with with Tesla and others, um, and sat down and really you know put it out there and uh, We had a number of takers and and people were able to to make the the vents and and get those into our customers and our hospitals and people who needed them and you know, certainly um, didn't meet all of the demand, but certainly met more of the demand than could have been enabled if just Medtronic had held tight and uh, and and thought of itself as being the only one who could who could make the make the vents. I am blown away
0: that Jeff Martha was in transition. I mean, nothing like trial by fire.
1: You know, it's not probably what you think about, um, and I've talked to Jeff about this. That you know, as you think about transitioning into this role, I mean, role of a lifetime, and And, uh, you know, imagine all the things you're going to do on on day one, and certainly leading into that transition, what he thought was going to be his, you know, first hundred day agenda versus what actually needed to happen. Um, But, you know, the good news is, I think we all felt it is that you know, the, the relationship between Jeff and Omar is very close, um, and Omar certainly was there to help support um, Jeff, and we're guided by our mission, and we knew exactly how we were going to focus and organize our work. It was a guiding document for us, and it's not just a document that lives on the outside. It lives in our decision-making, and the right decisions were made, and, uh, and it was quite a transition, certainly, for Jeff.
0: Did your role have to transition and change as well?
1: Well, a number of things changed um, and transitioned for us. Um, First is just being remote. So I think some people know I live in Montana and I have always commuted to Minneapolis for work. So I fly in on Mondays and fly home on Thursdays typically. So I went home on March 12th and um, I'm in the office today, but uh, this is the first time that I've been back in the Twin Cities since March. And so just standing up, you know, a command center as well, uh, for a team that was all remote, and we had a number of people that, from an R&D standpoint, were coming into the office, but I was certainly remote. Um, and, and what we were developing was something that we had never developed before. We had never developed a monitoring tool that was outside of our core system. If you will, our core platform, and so we not only tried to address um, very quickly what the needs of our employees were, but then we started to think about is this something that could be helpful for our current commercial customers, or even for new customers, and and coming from potentially new channels, employers, for example, and so just setting that command center approach and mentality is, is nothing that I have ever had to do before. So, you know, we found ways of of working together. There was a lot lot of, um, you know, long nights and uh, super early mornings. But we, you know, we really thought about it as mission critical. And um, we were not thinking about revenue. We were really thinking about this is our moment. This is our moment of showcasing the assets and capabilities that we have and putting them in play for a very specific use case. And uh, we've got the, the pull of um, the environment to tell us they need it. And we have the support of the, the business to go do it. So, um, command center. Yeah, a totally different different model than I had done before, but I liked it. I liked it a lot.
0: And so you're mentioning late nights, early mornings, everything you have to do so quickly. And I know that so many women in this industry look up to you and think, how does she do it? So what would you say your greatest challenge has been, and how are you overcoming it?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, I'm in awe of women um, and and people who have families because I I don't have any children. So I've got, you know, two fat horses and, you know, they feed themselves. Um, That's why they're so fat, Uh, you know, and, and a barn cat and, and, and a husband. Um, who also is pretty good at feeding himself, so I had it easy uh, on that front. I was on, you know, calls, and I could hear kids in the back, and uh, you know, my whether you're male or female, you know, there was a tremendous amount of just life juggling that was that was happening, and so I felt a tremendous amount of empathy um, for that. I think what I did um, that kind of helped me was, you know, I took the I took the pressure off that we all had to be so buttoned up all of the time. And so the hesitation, I know for many people on going on zoom was like, look, I haven't showered. I haven't done my hair. I'm, you know, in the same clothes I was in yesterday. And I think, you know, just removing that, it's like, look, we're just showing up as people right now. And so I don't care if you have a baseball hat on, if you're in the, you know, five day ponytail uh, that you've had, you know, male or female, it just doesn't matter. And I think kind of coming clean and, um, Coming just getting more real and dropping some of the more corporate aspects of um, our world was the f- probably, um, it was a quick thing to do, it was an easy thing to do, and it w- probably had more impact than I anticipated for others you know, button, you know, presentations that people spend hours and hours getting the font right. I mean, who who cares? We're just presenting to ourselves. And I think dropping some of that and just saying like, it's not important and it's not needed was, was a way that we could definitely do it. I also learned in my own journey that um, self-care, and I know we use this term a lot, was really important. And it I didn't grasp onto that as early as I could have, and I think that that's been a lesson for me um, in terms of how important it was to take a break. And um, taking a break doesn't mean that you're not working, it actually means that you are like mentally preparing and sometimes physically preparing for the work ahead. So even doing walking meetings with individuals or changing up the scenery um, for where you're doing a meeting, you know, I, I don't care that you're doing a meeting from your, your bed or your chaise lounge or, you know, your, your, your whatever, your, your, your kitchen table. It doesn't matter. What I'm looking for is 100% engagement when I have people's time. So those were, those were some lessons um, and some things that we enacted pretty quickly.
0: That's a very good tip. And your leadership, I'm sure, is making such a strong impact on your employees. You also serve in a leadership position with the Medical Alley Association Board of Directors. In that role, you've really gotten to see an intimate view of what this entire industry has been doing in response to COVID-19. Do you mind telling me a little bit about what you've observed?
1: So what surprised me and didn't surprise me was the sense of community that we have within the Medical Alley Association. And so I received emails, not just on the vent side, you know, certainly a number of people said, hey, can you help me um, contact, you know, someone about, you know, we we need some vents over here. Um, And so certainly tried to be a conduit to getting that um, type of request in. But what struck me the most, again, kind of surprise, not surprised, was just how many um, of our companies in our community leaned in to Medical Alley for support. I mean, if you're going to make one phone call in a crisis or two phone calls in a crisis, who are you going to call? And the fact that so many of um, members of MAA and and maybe even some who had not yet joined um, the community but had heard about it, tipped in um, and knew that the Medical Alley Association was going to be a place um, where they could find information as well as they could Um, You know, look for support or even offer something that they had. And in fact, this whole concept of this, you know, what do you have, what do you need, I actually translated uh, with my team, not exactly on the same level, but we now do a monthly Zoom call that is kind of a skill share. And so people have certain skills. Uh, and other people want to learn certain things. So we have just, as you know, individuals and employees together have been having fun, kind of sharing. Hey, you know, I know how to um, do martial arts. I know how to do line dancing. I know how to um, do a crab bake. I know how to do, um, you know, lifting, um, doing exercise in your home using everyday equipment. And so we did kind of this skill share of what people want to learn and what people kind of have. This took place at a much more powerful level within MAA where people said, look, I have these capabilities. I have this to share. Does anybody need it? And other people had an ask. So again, I I like to say that I um, was surprised, but the reality was I wasn't surprised. I was just joyous in seeing it happen. And and it made me very proud to be part of, of, of the association and certainly proud to be on the board.
0: And we have been proud to have you. Lastly, I want to ask, with that leadership expertise, do you think COVID nineteen has changed healthcare? And if so, how was this a catalyst for healthcare transformation, or will we be going back to the way things were? If and when the dust settles,
1: for me, and again, not a, uh, I don't have you know more expertise in this area, and certainly you know don't have the crystal ball, but I cannot imagine certain parts of healthcare ever going back um, to, to the old way. And because I've been in the, the space of telehealth for a long time, you know, it's always been clear to me that the value aspect of me making an appointment on the phone, then getting in, you know, scheduling an appointment, getting in my car, driving, parking, going into my doctor's office, then coming and... Um, You know, waiting for my appointment, seeing my doctor for a short period of time, you know, backtracking kind of all those things, that there's a good portion of that experience that was not particularly valuable to me. I mean, certainly I had to drive, but the amount of time I spent thinking about my healthcare experience versus the actual time in the healthcare experience was disproportionate from a value perspective. So telehealth has an opportunity of changing all of that. And it can change not just in the way that I can engage with my clinician through telemedicine, but imagine the connectivity of an entire virtual care experience. Whatever used to be done face-to-face, what of that engagement could be done virtually? And with the virtualization of a care experience, how much more engaged might I be? Um, How much more value might I see in that interaction Um, and how much quicker um, access um, outcomes could be enabled from truly virtualizing a care experience. For me, this is the way healthcare and, yeah, transformation has been transforming for some time in this area, but there's definitely an acceleration in this space. And I think it's in an area that people can't even imagine. It's hard to imagine virtualization of a full care experience. Um, When you get down to the, you know, kind of specific right now, but I have a good understanding of the capabilities that are going to be required to get there. And for me, that just makes, you know, no better time to be in healthcare than now. I know I've said it before, but really I don't think there's a better time to be in healthcare than right now, as it relates to completely, um, thinking about value, thinking about outcomes, and thinking about um, just overall transformation and improvement. So this is the time to tip into healthcare. If you're not in right now, this is a time to tip in.
0: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the last episode in our Medical Alley Association podcast series, Leadership Through a Crisis. To make sure you don't miss out on any of our upcoming content, be sure to follow us on social media, subscribe to our newsletter, and visit us at medicalalley.org.